The Lord be with you and also with you. Brothers and sisters, would you open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 12? And we will be reading together 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 1 and going through verse 13. But before we start our reading for uh, God's Word, would you please stand and let us ask together for a reading of God's holy, inspired, and inerrant Word, a blessing that He would give to us this morning as we listen to it together. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, with our Bibles open before us, we come and ask for your divine help that the Spirit of God would so illumine the printed pages that are before us that our minds will be alert and open to its beautiful and powerful truth and that our lives will be quick to welcome it and obey it, and to live in light of it. Help us, Lord, both in speaking and in listening, to do it in such a way that honors and glorifies you, the living God. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Brothers and sisters, hear the word of the Lord from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weakness. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool. For I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or he hears from me. So to keep me from becoming more becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the re revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Yes, thanks be to God. I'll admit it. I hate even a whiff 
of weakness. I hate weakness. I despise looking weak. I, I despise feeling insufficient. I loathe being wrong. You can ask my wife. You can ask my kids. You can ask any of the elders or deacons or anybody who has known me for any length of time. I always want to seem to be the wisest guy in the room. I want to be in control. I want to be nicely dressed. I want to be cutting edge, fully informed, theologically astute. I hate weakness. I hate the feeling of shame that comes along with weakness. But Paul, on the other hand, is a different kind of cat, isn't he? Paul boasts in his weakness. Paul didn't like feeling weak whatsoever, but he did know that it was, weakness was the pathway to grace and to true power. All of our human natures have this craving for some kind of self-glory. We seek the admiration of other people. We'll do whatever it takes to get their attention, their love, their appreciation. We love the myth of being the, the superhero because in reality, we all want to be the hero that wins the day with his strength, his power, his personality. So we want our successes to be known and we want our failures to be minimized, to be hidden. But yet... Here's the reality. We all live with different kinds of legitimate limitations or illnesses or disabilities or circumstantial adversities in our lives. Every one of us, every one of us are weak. Every, every one of us are frail. So the question that we have got to answer today is, what are we going to do about this thing called weakness? And by weakness, I, I am not talking about our sin. I, I'm talking about the human condition of hardships, of limitations, of painful circumstances, of difficulties. The kind of weakness weaknesses we are talking about is not just a list of things that we go down, right? It is our very condition. It's not weaknesses. It is weakness. It is the description of our human condition. David Powelson once wrote that we are perishable. We are mortal. We face a multitude of afflictions in our lives. So the question we need to ask that is begging to be answered is, what are you going to do about your weaknesses? Well, the reality is there's probably at least three possible answers to how we are going to answer that question of how do we deal with our weaknesses? And the first one is we, we can... If we so desire, we can deny our weaknesses. Now, this is not an approach that works for, for long. We can feel strong for a moment, but that does not mean that we 
are strong. We, can, we all have a couple significant problems in our lives. And one of them, one of those significant problems in our lives is sin, which we talk a lot about here at Missio Day. But that's only one of our problems. But that's not the only one, right? The other one is that you and I are finite creatures. God, God has allowed this to be so because of sin entering our lives. And we all, because we are finite creatures, we have weaknesses. Your body has weaknesses. My body has weaknesses. I have had two surgeries in my life. Yes, two surgeries in my life. I have had to go to the chiropractor time after time after time because of, of a bad back. I've had my gallbladder removed. I am wearing glasses. My, my body is full of weaknesses. And if you don't think that you have any weaknesses, in this time, in this season, we are all have this fear of, of our own frailty, of our weaknesses. We wear masks when we are out in public. We are afraid if somebody sneezes upon us that we are going to come not down with just a cold or a little bit of a, of a flu. No, we may catch the coronavirus. And do you realize that your body, as complex as it is, can be felled by one small organism or a mosquito bite from one small bite of an insect, we can go down. And that's not even to talk about our weaknesses and our limitations. Yes, you can deny your, your weaknesses, but it's hard to maintain this illusion of strength for very long. We are all weak. We all face limitations. So what, what are you going to do about your weaknesses? Well, you can deny it. Good luck with that. It will not get you very far. But here's another way that we can deal with our weaknesses. We can try to fix our weaknesses. And we try, right? This is the self-improvement approach. And it's, it's what a lot of people come to church for, actually. If I could just get that little nugget of information to improve my marriage, to improve my finances, to improve my children, to improve my outlook in life and how I feel. We, we come looking for some tips that we can just implement, that we can just kind of fix ourselves. And we keep looking for books and, and shows and audiobooks to help us along in that self-improvement journey. And there remains a powerful belief within our hearts that says, listen, if I just have power, and if I have control, then life will go the way that I want it to. And this is a subtle lie at the heart of what sin really is. It is the reason why self-help is such a temptation to every single one of us. It is exactly what we want to be true. We want to believe that we can fix our lives if we have all of the tools that we need. And we want to believe that learning the right technique with the right tools will actually help us. Self-improvement can help you to a certain extent, right? You can get in better shape. You can learn better habits. You can improve your life up to a certain point. 
GQ magazine published this article called Why Self-Help Might Actually Be Making You Less Happy. They wrote this. We become so obsessed with looking inward and trying to achieve our ideals, he says, that it actually makes us less equipped to be a human on the outside. You know, the type that actually connected to other people. Oh, and on top of that, we're supposed to be happy all the time, which turns out is a hard thing to do when you are constantly being told you can do better and be better and more positive and more productive. It's almost like self-help isn't always that helpful. You can try to fix all of your weaknesses, but two things will happen. First, you will find yourself exhausted. It's a a never-ending treadmill. You are never able to get off that treadmill of life, of just working harder, applying this and doing this and doing that. It will ultimately, it will, you will find yourself crushed underneath the impossible weight of expectations that you were never met. You were never met to meet. But here's another problem that you are going to uh, encounter if you are trying to fix all your weaknesses. You are going to find that you are at the end of the day, still weak. No matter how much you are going to try to improve yourself, you will never be able to, my friends, you will never be able to eliminate weakness. At least not on this side of the grave. So what are you going to do about weakness? Well, you can uh, try to deny it. Or you can try to just fix it. That, but that ultimately will crush you and you're going to find yourself not succeeding. So what is the alternative? Here's the alternative. Boast about your weakness. It's so counterintuitive. It's so upside down, isn't it? And this is something that you will that you would never occur to us if God himself had not given this to us in his word. You know your limitations. You know your finiteness. You know your inabilities. In fact, you know that you are going to be dying. And the things that you can't fix about yourself, you feel hopeless in that. So don't deny your weakness and don't try to fix your weakness. My friends, instead, boast in your weakness. The world is obsessed with strength. It's obsessed with power. And Paul writes that to the Corinthians in in verse um, 30 in chapter 11. He says, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. He repeats this again in chapter uh, 12, verse 9. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses. So let me give you a little bit of context of what is going on here. Paul is addressing a group 
in the Corinthian church that has bragged about their amazing strength, their charisma, their experiences, their wealth, what they have brought to the ministry, and put Paul down because of his weaknesses. And Paul responds by saying, okay, if you want me to boast, here it goes. And although he has a lot of things to boast about, he focuses in like a laser on his suffering. Paul does the very opposite thing that they were expecting. He boasts in his suffering. He boasts about his weakness. So finally, in this chapter, his his logic is starting to, to become more clear. Paul shows us that there is a wrong way to boast, and then he shows us the right way to, bo- to boast. In verses 1 through 4, Paul recounts an experience that he had when some previous 14 years earlier. This would have been before Paul began his missionary journeys, and Paul went had this remarkable experience, one that obviously he had not shared with too many people. It was a, an experience that was private. And Paul had this experience of being snatched up into the highest level of heaven. I, friends, I have no idea what this looks like. I have no idea what this really means. But Paul was brought up, if you will, to the very throne room of God. He heard and he saw things that he was not permitted to express. What an exhilarating and terrifying experience all in one experience. And Paul's enemies, the ones who were opposing him, these super apostles are claiming that they had visions and they have had revelations and that God had spoken to them. Paul is saying, listen, if you want to compare visions and revelations, brothers, I think I've got you beat. It was his check and his checkmate. And This is what Paul's enemies were boasting about. They they had boasted about they were having some kind of experiences with God. But Paul said that he had a better one, but he dared not boast about it. Paul says in verses 5 through 6, he says, On behalf of this man himself, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So when it comes to boasting about strength, Paul could beat us all, but that is not the way to go. He could have boasted, but Paul is saying, no, 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 that is not the way to go. We've got to ask, why, why was he even given that, that amazing experience? It wasn't because Paul was strength, was full of strength that he was strong. No, in fact, it was quite the opposite. It was because Paul was weak. Paul needed this experience in order to keep on going. So even this experience itself was a sign of Paul's weakness. John Calvin wrote about this, and he said, this thing happened for Paul's 
own sake. For a man who had had awaiting him troubles hard enough to break a thousand hearts needed to be strengthened in a special way to keep him from giving way and to help him to persevere undaunted. Paul's greatest, but Paul was granted, according to Kent Hughes, a greater view of the glory to come in order that it might sustain him of his epic beatings and shipwrecks and betrayals and heartaches that rose and fell with the fortunes of his church. This epic experience sustained an epic heart. Let me tell you what I learned from this. My friends, it, it is easy to think that the reason that Paul is going to boast in weakness is because Paul has it all. Sure, Paul, you, you can boast about that because you already have it all. But Paul corrects us of this mistaken notion. The reason that Paul boasts in weakness is not because, isn't because he wasn't strong. If Paul wanted to play that game, he could have beaten us all in it. Somebody who's actually got something to boast about says, hey, don't boast in your strength. No matter what you've got to boast about, I bet you can't beat what Paul's Paul had to boast about. And yet he chooses instead to boast in his weakness. But look at verse 7. Paul is going to start showing us that there is a right way to be boasting. In verse 7, Paul describes his greatest weakness. To keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. What in the world is this thorn that Paul is referring to. A thorn was given to him in the flesh. Now, honestly, there is no consensus on it, but there are at least three categories from my research that people say these are possibilities. And here's the three major theories. One, it was a physical illness of some kind. Suggestions include maybe some kind of malarial fever, epilepsy, severe headaches, eye problems. Maybe Paul had a speech impediment or a socially debilitating disease or disfigurement or some other kind of personal illness. That's a possibility, some kind of physical illness. Another theory has it that it was some kind of psychological malady. Suggestions include anxiety disorders. His, his conscience being bothered over, over persecuting the church or a deep suffering over his ineffectiveness in reaching the Jews with the gospel. Maybe, maybe he had depression or maybe there was some kind of sexual temptation. Again, we are not told what this thorn in the flesh is, but there's a third category. Maybe it was his opposition. Suggestions include... Uh, the conflict with the Judaizers, specific opponents that Paul has, opposition just in general, a, a specific opponent at Corinth, 
and even the church of Corinth itself. Friends, we, we have no idea what exactly is his, his weakness or what this thorn was. And it doesn't help us to try to speculate. Scripture does not give us clarity as to what exactly it is, but here's what we do know. And this is what we can bank on. Paul wanted God to take this issue away from his life, but God refused. In fact, God used that thorn, that weakness. It kept Paul from imagining himself as a spiritual superman. It reminded him of his mortality. It reminded him of his weakness. His weakness was a pathway of experiencing God's grace and God's power. He said three times, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this that it should leave me. But what did the Lord say? He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And what does Paul say? Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Here's the thing about how God uses weaknesses. God somehow takes and, and uses, is able to take the weakest things, think of the crucifixion of, of Jesus, for instance, takes the weakest things and uses that as a platform for displaying his power, for displaying his mercy, for displaying his grace displaying his love. God works through weakness. And so much of us, so many of us, myself included, want to just eradicate our lives from weakness. Listen, God didn't, God himself didn't come into the world with power and strength, although he could have. He could have come into the world with an angel army and sat on the throne in Jerusalem and ruled with an iron scepter. Instead, what did Jesus do? Jesus laid aside any signs of power. And he came as a servant. And this servant came to suffer. He was identified in Isaiah as the suffering servant. And God brought about our salvation, not through the strength of our Savior, but through the weakness. And that, my friends, is just how God works. What if one of God's greatest gifts in your life right now is the very thing that you want him to take away? And my friends, I had a hard time writing that sentence because it, it bothered me because I, I was speaking to myself as well. So let me read it again. What if one of the greatest gifts in your life right now is the very thing that you want him to take away? What if you are meant to boast in the limitation that you hate the most and, and see it 
as one of God's greatest blessings in your life. Something that's even more of a gift than your strength. What if your weaknesses are the very things that God is saying, that is the platform, that your weakness that I have is placed in your life, that I refuse to take away, that is going to be the platform by which I am going to perform and display my greatness. In their book, Beloved Dust, Jan Grogan and Kyle Strobel write this. All our li limitedness, our frustrations with ourselves, and our inabilities are gifts from God. They are all moments of grace. I love that. They are all moments of grace calling us to depend on God, depend fully on God, and to proclaim, without you, I can do nothing. If you know me well, you know that even this lesson lies at the heart of our church. We started Missio Dei Church in 2007 with the ideas of grandeur. As Chicagoland was growing, the fastest growing county, Collar County in Chicagoland was Will County. And it was in Will County that our church plant assessors and the people who were planning with us said, you are going to be the, one of the fastest growing churches. You are going to, as quickly as Will County is growing, so are you. So prepare for greatness. We were supposed to be fast growing, but throughout the years, we did not experience that kind of greatness, that kind of strength, that kind of power, that kind of notoriety. In fact, throughout the years, we have experienced weakness. We have experienced a sense of powerlessness. There are even occasions where I can say, I, in ministry, have totally felt debilitated. Looking back, however, in hindsight, I see this as a gift from God. God wanted it to be clear right from the start that we are not planting this church out of strength, that we are planting this church, how? In weakness and dependence upon Him. My friends, don't deny your weakness. Don't try to fix your weakness. But my friends, instead, boast in the midst of your weakness because it is the pathway of experiencing Christ's power. On May 23 in 2019, David Powelson, who is a professor, a writer, and a counselor, he was scheduled to give the closing comments at Westminster Theological Seminary's graduation ceremony. He couldn't attend, however, because he was in hospice care at home, suffering from stage four pancreatic cancer. He passed away a month later. 
not even a month later, on June 7th, someone gave his speech in his absence. And listen to the message that David Paulson sent. It's so countercultural to people who want to say, we are strong and you can do it. On the contrary, we are fundamentally weak. That weakness is a most unusual door into all the ways God enables us to be strong. The right kind of strength comes from the right kind of weakness. My deepest hope for you is that in both your personal life and your ministry to others, you would be unafraid to be publicly weak as the doorway to the strength of God himself. My friends, do not wait until you are on your deathbed to realize this. God works in, in powerful ways in, in our weakness. And I myself can attest to that. Many of you know my, my story of childhood sexual abuse. And I am, my friends, I am still haunted by that experience still to this day. And one of the things that I have realized is that my weakness is the opening that God uses to work his will in my life and in the lives of others as well. At first, I was ashamed to even talk about this, this weakness, this shame-filled event that took place in my 9- and 10-year-old boyhood life. But I have come to realize that even in that, God chooses to use weakness for His glory and for people's good. Listen, I am no Apostle Paul. By no means. I, I can't say that I boast in that dreadful experience that still deeply impacts me today. In fact, I'd rather get rid of it and all the emotional and relational uh, baggage that still affects me personally today. I, I, I pray that God will remove that thorn from me. And I know that it's true for you because it's true for me that we tend to resent the weaknesses because we feel that these things are just holding us back from what we want to get out of life. And it is true, they do. But even more than our strengths. Our weaknesses, my friends, allow us to experience the power and the presence of Jesus Christ, and they allow us to display God's strength working within us. Because what is God doing? In these moments, He is redeeming, He is healing, He is restoring, He is righting the wrong, He is making us new. And what a beautiful display for a world that thinks that they are strong. My friends, weakness is the door to Jesus' presence 
and blessing in your life and in the lives of others. So don't deny your weaknesses. Don't go into self-help mode and try to fix it and make it all better on your own strength. In, in fact, boast in your weaknesses. Even, even publicly, boast in your weaknesses because my friends, this is the path to experiencing Christ's power in you. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father God, your word given to us is good for us today. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to, to trust in you. Help us, Lord, to understand that maybe one of the greatest gifts that you have given to us in our lives is the very thing that we pray would be taken away, to be alleviated, that the burden might be lift, lifted. But Lord, help us to see how you may be using even those weaknesses for your glory, our good, and for the sake of the gospel being shared. Help us, Lord, to rest in you because you are good, even in our weaknesses, our failings, our brokenness. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. My friends, Receive the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, now and forevermore. Amen. My friends, go in peace.